RadioInfluence.com. Final battle. The next election could be our last? That's a chilling thought. We'll learn what it means from award-winning author David Horowitz on this episode of United Patriots Uprising with Gary Benford. I'm your host, Gary Benford. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is available at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. David Horowitz is a conservative activist and commentator who we better listen to, one we better take seriously. Why? Try this on for size. He was raised in Queens, New York by card-carrying communist parents. Stone Cold Stalinist. Is it any wonder that he became a committed Marxist as an adult? Fortunately, this story doesn't end there. A long and winding and painful road led to David eventually becoming conservative in nature, who has dedicated his life to confronting and combating the left's anti-America agenda. He knows their secrets. He knows where the proverbial bodies are buried. So let's get into it. He is a noted conservative commentator and prolific author of several critically acclaimed best-selling books, including Dark Agenda, The War to Destroy Christian America, and I Can't Breathe, How a Racial Hoax is Killing America. His work has been featured in major media such as Newsmax, Vanity Fair, Washington Post, The Washington Times, and National Review. He's the founder and CEO of the David Horowitz Freedom Center. I welcome back for the third time the author of the new book, Final Battle, Mr. David Horowitz. David, how are you? I'm pretty good. Thank you. Well, I'm glad you're hanging in there, and I'm glad you have written another book. And uh, the subtitle of your book reads, the next election could be the last. You say there now exists an existential threat to American democracy greater than any our nation has ever faced in the left's horrifying plan to turn America into a socialist nation. What you've discovered will rock us to the core, you say. Please tell us, you claim and say we could be on the precipice of another, another civil war. That's really bad. Yeah, I don't think it'll come to shooting because they, well, I, I think there will be more people dead. Um, I mean, look at what Biden and his party are prepared to do, letting 5 million unvetted people from all over the world, all countries that hate us, um, people who have no respect for our country, uh, this is a government that is criminal. They, the border is open because Biden illegally and unconstitutionally refused, refuses to enforce the law. He's the chief executive, which means that's his sole obligation, really, is to enforce the law. Uh, by, by not enforcing it, he's changed the law and opened our borders. And there are tens of thousands of people already dying because of it. And he could, he could give a damn. 
He's the most heartless president we've ever had. The worst human being that I can think of. Um, I I tell one anecdote at the end of the book. the, The importance of my book, Final Battle, is that it constructs a, a narrative from the 2020 election through January 6th and shows that the Democratic Party is a criminal party, it's a racist party, it's an anti-American party. Uh, it does, uh, we're the only large country in the world that doesn't have a border. Um, why would you do that? I guess for the same reason you let a Chinese spy balloon fly over 17 military installations and take pictures. <laughs> um, on January 2nd, 2021, that's right after Trump lost the election, it happened to be the anniversary of Trump's order to assassinate General Soleimani, who was the world's leading terrorist and responsible every time you see a wounded warrior mm-hmm. who's been blown up by an IED, this guy's responsible. And the Democrats, of course, criticized the assassination, said it was provocative and unjustified. Um, but the Iranians themselves responded on January 2nd and said Trump will not only be removed from office, but from life. We cannot forgive the killing of General Soleimani. So as you can imagine, the White House security team scrambled on how to deal with this threat. But they were headed by General Mark Milley, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Yikes. military advisor to the president. And Milley, and in charge of security for the White House, Milley went went to these meetings that were called and called Trump Hitler and said his Stop the Steel speech was the gospel of the Fuhrer. This man is not only an idiot, but he's a traitor. Uh, We absolutely command, but all the Anderson Coopers of this world all praised Milley for taking the stand. Not too many people know this story. Uh, it appeared in a book by two Washington Post reporters who hate Trump and thought it was a great uh, thing that Milley did. That That's what dire straits our country is in now. And my book documents all that. I hear you. And I've had uh, quite a few guests on who were in the Trump White House, one of them, Peter Navarro, and he talked about the times when he'd be sitting there listening to some of this dribble coming from some of these uh, generals and other factions and forces that are supposed to well, be part of us. And uh, you'll, you'll excuse, I have great respect for Peter Navarro, but I have to be critical. He, he shares a problem with all Republicans, which is they're too damn nice. And they withhold, they talk in ways that make this all seem normal but crazy or crazy it's evil what they've done with the destroying our borders is just downright evil the the human tragedies that they have created you know the drug addictions the fentanyl 
mean, China is systematically poisoning our population, and yet uh, you couldn't find Biden saying a bad thing about them. Uh, the way to talk, Navarro is a good example of what, what the problem he is. A guy who's never committed a crime in his life is a businessman, a presidential advisor, and he refused to cooperate with the show trial called the January 6th Committee for executive, invoking executive privilege, which is a constitutional idea. Um, and how did they treat him? Did they call his lawyer? When they call him and say, we need to talk to you, uh, um, the FBI, did they do that? No. They jumped him, coming right. off a plane, mm-hmm. and put him in leg irons, like he was some effing pilot, a pirate. <laughs> Why did they do that? To humiliate him and to ward all conservatives that this is what they thought of him. And they had the power and the guns, as it were. Uh, we're in the incipient phase of a fascist regime. Uh, you know, I, I could go on. We could spend the whole time talking about all the people they've raided in the early morning hours who are just political opponents. Um, not well, I'll tell you what I want you to do, because you went down a path. We were talking about Biden and we're going to get back to Biden. But you hit on when you started talking about Peter Navarro being too nice. You hit on something that has been the premise of my show ever since I started it three years ago. And it's because of this that I bring on guests like you. So many people who are Republicans, who are conservative, who are Christians, who are on the right. They think these people on the left are wrong, misguided. They don't see them as you just nailed it. Evil. Abortion is evil. What they're doing at the border is evil. The intentional death of people is evil. What they're doing is evil and treasonous. And a lot of people just look at it as, well, they're just off or they're wrong. They don't want to go to the evil plank. And you took it where it belongs. If you see it as evil, you can treat it as evil. And the reason I want to bring this up, David, this is what I want you to comment on. This is what the left does. The left doesn't say Republicans and conservatives are wrong. They say they're evil and wrong. You debate evil you can kill and put in jail. Yeah, you have to fight fire with fire. There you go. It can't be. It can't be. I wonder what your background is because I left the left. Because we're going to get into that. Yeah, but you want you want my background now? Sure. All right. You've heard it before, but I'll say it again. Uh, born black, Summit, New Jersey, raised in the 50s and the 60s. Uh, church kid uh, went to was a Democrat because I didn't know any better. I thought that they supported us. And I was a Democrat all through college. I wasn't militant, but I was a Democrat. I just, you know, I didn't even know a Republican. I actually didn't meet a Republican probably till 1997. And I got saved, born again, a follower of Jesus Christ in 1997. And that changed me. I changed and I saw abortion differently. I realized what life means to God. I realized what marriage meant to God. And I realized we're voting wrong. And ever since then, 
I've been a staunch conservative and I started studying and uh, became a friend of Curtis Bowers, who put out the agenda documentary series, started learning about communism, Marxism, and realized 20 years ago, we're in the midst of a communist revolution. Now tell them your background, because I can tell you what people are thinking. They're thinking, oh, he wrote a book about Christianity, so he must be a Christian. Wrong. Oh, he wrote a book about I can't breathe, so he must be black. Wrong. And he was probably raised as a Republican his whole life. He's a right-wing extremist, so this is why he thinks this way. Wrong. Rattle the cage, just knock him dead, Dave, because you're testimony of where you came from is absolutely incredible. Yeah, my parents were card-carrying communists. <laughs> I marched in my first May Day, communist-run May Day parade in 1948. In Queens, New York, right? In, in, in Queens, New York, yeah, Sunnyside. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I, I realize, I am thrilled today to hear so many black voices that have waked up about the Democrat Party. Uh, it always bothered me because I realized as I came out of the left, I came out of the left because the Black Panther Party. Who were your friends? Were my friends and, the, and they were the heroes of the left and they were criminals who preyed on the black community. Um, and all my friends, they murdered a friend of mine who she was a bookkeeper. And I, I, I raised a lot of money for the Panthers, uh, like $160,000 to buy a Baptist church in East Oakland. And they turned it into their base of operations. It had 35 classrooms. They moved their whole community uh, in, into their school there. Um, but they were gangsters and they murdered mainly black people. They preyed on the black community. They were extortionists and drug dealers, uh, all of which I, of course, didn't realize because I was wearing these ideological blinders. And uh, when I bought this church, I believed our propaganda that the government was fascist and would close them down if they didn't, I was sure because they were militant blacks that the government would shut them down if they didn't obey the tax laws. So I recruited my bookkeeper, of course, Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson to violate tax laws all the time. Um, and of course, they're untouchable because of it. It's, it was really the reverse of what we said. But uh, I, I just find it uh, just very reassuring that there are so many articulate black voices now because nobody, you know, I'm obviously white and nobody is going to be listening to a white person saying this. Um, Not even but, somebody that was, a, you, you went to England, right? You were a Marxist. Won't they listen to you because you've lived the other side? You know where the oh, bodies no, the are buried. The minute you, the minute you say something that's politically incorrect, you're like a dead person. They just smear you, call you all kinds of names. I mean, I'm, I am, you know, they call, I've spent my my political life mainly uh, 
I've written three books on race, all of them supporting Martin Luther King. And I actually have a fourth that I'll come out with soon. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, they just call me a racist um, and dismiss me. And they used me to attack Ron DeSantis that way. I, I appeared at a, an event and uh, I gave a speech. I, it was, I, I mentioned race one. It's all on the Internet. Um, and I mentioned race once when I said that the uh, Republicans were so weak that they allowed um, the school curriculum in New York uh, be set by Black Lives Matter and in um, California by, um, you know, a Muslim jihadist organization. Um, and that was enough uh, to call me a notorious racist and try to tar DeSantis had appeared at my events four times. Um, but that's the way the political battle is fought now. And the terrible thing is that America was really a gift to black people. The American slaves were enslaved by black Africans mm -hmm. sold at auctions in Ghana and Benin. And it was white Christian Americans, it's very important, um, that freed them, that declared them, this revolutionary statement in our declaration that all, written by a slave owner, Thomas Jefferson, all men are created equal and have a God-given right to liberty. And that, that part of white America that Jefferson represented fought that battle for 60 years and then gave 360,000 mainly white lives to free the slaves. There's still slavery in Africa. And the, the, the main slave traders were Muslims who were brown. Mm -hmm. uh, every black person who's descended from slaves, uh, you know, owes a certain gratitude to this country because the black community in this country is the richest, most powerful, most culturally uh, present uh, black community in the world. You wouldn't know that to hear the left talk about it. The left talks about it like, you know, we're the dregs, it's the dregs of society. David, why Why is this? Why? Why? You, why? Here's why I don't get this. Why? do they want a socialist nation? What is in it for the because, left? Yeah, the whole difference between left and right is this. And, and this is why I, it doesn't surprise me that religion was a key to your Christian religion, actually, was a key to your change of heart. Uh, the, the left looks on human beings as born good and made and made a bad by oppressive society. If you see bad in the world, it's society did it. Well, there's no such thing as society. It's, society is just what, what human beings are. Um, 
Whereas if you're a Christian or a Jew uh, and you take to heart just the story of Genesis, you see that the problem, the root cause of all social problems is us. The fall. We're we're flawed. Mm -hmm. We're self-centered and we have free will. Anyway, so this is the most dangerous idea is that you can take the same people who created the problems in our society, the people who have let greed and, uh, and malice uh, take control or guide them. Uh, you, you're going to expect them to save the world. So you give them enormous power and they abuse it. Um, like I said, the Biden government is criminal. And uh, here's the, you know, the right talks in this polite way about the left. Sanitizing the problem is the problem at this point. The way to talk about Democrats is, for example, um, the Biden family has made itself filthy rich by taking bribes from foreign powers that wish us ill, including our chief enemy, China. And what has one of the Bidens delivered to China uh, that would cause the Chinese to spend millions and millions of dollars and put them in their pockets? Is it, we have treason in the White House. Absolutely. No, nobody, I don't know of any Republican who would dare to use that word even, but that's the reality. And you, you have a whole Democrat party that's supporting this. All of them, some of them well-meaning people. It's really, we're in dire straits in this country. I hear you. Now, let's go back to Biden for a second, because sure. you you've painted a picture of Biden that. You painted a picture that he knows what he's doing, he's intentionally doing this stuff and he's an evil man. Um, most people seem to think he doesn't know what he's doing and he's a puppet for either Obama or Soros or somebody else. So do you really think that that yeah, Joe well, Biden is cognizant enough to, to be this maniacal uh, this maniacal devil maniac terrorist that's terrorizing the United States, or, or or is he just a puppet and others are pulling his strings? Well, I, you know, unless there's a ventriloquist standing next to him, um, you know, just that remark, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. It's, it's so horrific. Uh, you know, I don't know when he's uh, compass and when he's out to lunch. But there's a certain consistency in Biden. He's a compulsive liar, and the Democrat Party goes along with his lies. He's a very nasty human being. Uh, if you remember on the campaign trail, he bullied supporters. Yeah, snapped, yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. See, because I mean, a lot of people just thought he's like this because they're telling him what to say. They're telling him what to say, what to do, what to read. But uh, I agree with you to the extent you have to go along with it, even if it's not your ideas, even if George Soros or Obama or somebody else 
they're pulling the strings, you still would have to stand up there and follow, do the deed. So it, the buck stops with him. I, I, I agree with you there. It's just un, un, unreal. Um, I, I hope know. we're catching on. Are, do, you, do you think conservatives or Republicans are starting to catch on what this battle is about? I do. I do. I, and I, I see so many more articulate Republicans who are willing to fight, both white and black. Um, oh, and Hispanic now. So, yeah, I think, I think people are waking up to how dangerous the Democrats are. It's about time. David, you have you have a ton of shocking revelations in your book. Tell people two of them. Pick two to two shocking revelations that'll shock America. I thought, I thought that the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff is a traitor who calls his commander in chief a Nazi and is supported by the mainstream media. That's pretty shocking. That's very um, shocking. The other is the way they have Ashley Babbitt. The Democrats have this myth about right on the on January right that it was an armed insurrection. There were no arms, so they just call it an insurrection because that's a way of demonizing their seventy-five million Trump voters as traitors. Um, they they. The, 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 they have this myth that five Capitol Police officers were killed by the protesters. This is a lie. The actual number of Capitol Police officers who were killed on January 6th is zero. Uh, they even created a kind of Stalinist used to invent realities. They were called Potemkin villages. The Potemkin village was a model village, which was nothing like Russia, but it's where they took all the reporters from the West. So they would give a false report of the slaveocracy that the Soviet Union was. Um, they, they claim that uh, Brian Sicknick, a Capitol Police officer, was murdered by being bashed in the head with a fire extinguisher. Um, it was one of the five mythical officers yeah. who were killed. They went to the extent of staging a funeral to honor him as a defender of the Capitol and let his body lie in the state in the rotunda of the Capitol. Well, Democrat leaders like Pelosi gave speeches about how he had sacrificed his life on January 6th defending the Capitol. In fact, he didn't die on January 6th. I mean, the fire extinguisher story was debunked. Um, he died on the 7th in bed from natural causes, and he was an ardent Trump supporter. <laughs> there was one person, or actually there are probably two, that were murdered um, on videotape. You can see... Uh, I'll, I'll talk about one, Ashley Babbitt, five foot tall, 40 years old, 14-year Air Force veteran, unarmed, who is bothering no one. And this is all on videotape. And was shot in cold blood and killed. Mm -hmm. when, 
the murderer, Michael Byrd, uh, his identity was concealed by Pelosi for months. She quashed the investigation. She made him a free man. She gave him a medal for risking his life defending the capitalist killer. Um, that makes Nancy Pelosi an accomplice to murder, assuming uh, if they had an investigation and a trial, they would have convicted this guy. Um, and the whole Democrat leadership buys this. These, these people are killers. I hear it. Now, I stood up and talked straight. My, my, my time came in the late 1997s. Uh, we left your story off where uh, the card-carrying Stalinist parents raised uh, in a communist family in New York, uh, got educated, ended up uh, going to uh, England, if I'm not mistaken, very, very Marxist, got involved with the Black Panthers here out in the Bay Area, and they murdered the, the secretary that you had given, uh, the, excuse me, the assistant that uh, bookkeeper that you had given them to work within their operation, who was a close friend of yours. Okay, how did you get from there to the person I'm talking about? Because a lot of people that I know, and even some that I've had on the show, they be, they've kind of ended up as an independent. They kind of left the Democratic Party, left being a radical, but they ended up somewhere here in the middle. They didn't go as far constitutionally as you have. I don't think I'm far constitutionally. Constitutionally, you know, I'm a John F. Kennedy Democrat. Oh, okay. <laughs> You don't I sound okay. It, so, all right, if you want I'm to go there, okay. The defender of the Constitution, I, you know, the, the Democrats are destroying the Constitution. The first, the, first, the Constitution is, a, is about forcing compromise. And the biggest fear of the founders and the writers of the Constitution was that there would be a majority at the polls. And they would use and they, they would win the presidency and the executive power and use it to crush democracy, which is what's happening. Uh, like I say, when you call Donald Trump a white nationalist, and this lifetime liberal who received an NAACP award along with Rosa Parks and given to him by Muhammad Ali, but you Call, try to portray this guy as a, a neo-Nazi. Uh, you know, you're off the rails, and the result of it is we only have one legitimate party, the Democrat Party. If you don't vote Democrat, not all, uh, only are eight, you ain't black, but but you ain't you ain't an American. <laughs> I mean, it's terrible. And there's no big protest in the Democrat. Who's resigning in the Democrat Party? How did you That's change? True. What what changed your mind, even to become a Kennedy, a Kennedy was, Democrat? How did you get there? Well, it was simple. I, I was first of all, I was devastated by the murder of this woman, and felt responsible because I had recruited her, although I didn't realize at the time that the that the Panthers were such gangsters and so dangerous. Um, and what happened to me was uh, I stopped doing politics altogether because everything I had believed until then had led me to the blindness, which made me blind to who the Panthers actually were. 
and, uh, and, and got this woman killed. Um, and during that time, uh, several things occurred to me. One is that the, the right uh, has a way of dealing with it, the crimes of its past. Because, you know, politics is going to involve a lot of criminals willy-dilly. If you give people too much power, um, and they, they remain people. So there's a lot of criminals. Well, the Democratic Party is locked in with urban mafias and has been for, since the 19th century. Mm. Um, and I saw that the right had a way of correcting its errors, if you want to call them that. For example, J. Edgar Hoover used to be, you know, an American hero. Uh, and then there were revelations about what he had mm-hmm. actually done. And now nobody, nobody talks about J. Edgar Hoover at all. Whereas on the left, they still think the Rosenberg spies were innocent. They never correct. Being a leftist means you never have to say you're sorry. Think of all the people that were killed by Black Lives Matter and their riots, and mainly blacks. The, the urban death rates of blacks went up. There were record numbers of uh, homicides, and like 90, 95% of the homicides were committed by blacks against blacks. So, um, that was one big thing for me, that I, I understood that human beings are flawed, um, but only only the right has a way of trying to make up for its pay. Of course, you can't bring back the dead or anything, but you can certainly not live in this fictional view of things. I hear you. You know, David, I, I want to just get this last question in. Otherwise, we're going to end up going all day and all night. And I know I'm sure you can't do that. Okay. And, you know, I'll always bring you back because there's still I know some people are saying, keep going, keep going. I want to hear it. But there's some on. You know, we you, I'm sure you'll come back and we'll tie up some of these loose ends. But the American people must know what the left is really up to before it's too late. But like we, if we don't sit back and do nothing. America as a democracy and free society will perish at the hand of these progressives. Please address America to the people, American people, one last time in this regard, what the problem is and why they must get your book. The problem, the problem with the country or the problem with the right? The problem with the right is that- The problem with the country. What are we facing right now and why is final battle so important? The Democrats have been pushing a, a coup for decades now. But I'll just close with what they did in Arizona. This last election in the midterms, where Carrie Lake lost the governorship. How did she lose it? The Democrat, well, first of all, her rival for the governorship was also the Secretary of State. Uh, right. Conflict of interest. Before. Uh, yeah, but um, the Democrats have been erasing election day for decades. So now in uh, Arizona, you can vote in September or October and right up to the actual election day. 
which which exists only symbolically, really, as you can vote two months in advance of the election. And they do that because the Democrats have a wonderful ground army. They've got all these college kids who have all these organizations about the climate and about this and about fossil fuels and that. Um, so they can mobilize their voters to vote during September and October. They've all voted by the time election day rolls around. And guess what happened in the largest county, Maricopa County in Arizona, on election day, which is when the Republicans who are well-meaning lemmings vote. They want to do the right thing, so they vote on election day. On election day in Arizona, in the key county, population-wise, 60% 60% of the voting machines didn't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that fixed it and right below the radar. So that's the threat. The Democrats, they're communists. Their mentality, it's actually fascist as well. And they're racist. Um, they're, you know, they want to divide uh, gov- you know, government wealth or um, by color. So in a state like it, you know, they're, they're not, I don't know what the actual statistics are, but there are many black people in California. The, the biggest part of the population that's not white is Hispanic. So the blacks are going to get screwed by the Hispanics if we have a, a spoil system where whoever has the power gets to vote money for it. It's so terrible to think of what they're doing. I hear you. So are you telling us, are you telling us in final battle, the next election could be the last? Are you telling us to stop this? We must get out and vote. Must get out and vote. Better than that, you must get out and fight. Not be afraid to call, uh, to call it as you see it. If you see people doing racist things, um, well, it's racist to uh, the Baltimore school system is a racist school system. They, they they just did studies of it. There's 23 schools in not did I say Boston, Baltimore, 23 schools in Baltimore where there's not a single student, and they're mainly black, who who performs uh, at the science, you know, tests at the appropriate level in science. They, um, if, if you watch Fox last night, they had a mother, a black mother on who was in tears because her son was illiterate. She said, how is he going get, to get on in this world if he can't read and write? And it's a high school kid. And that, that's the systemic racism that nobody wants to talk about. How to get it out there. Yeah. That's because it's the Democrats. Every major inner city in America is 100% controlled by the Democrat party and has been for 50 to a hundred years. Every injustice real and imagined in the inner city, Democrats are responsible for the poverty, the illiteracy, the crime, the drug addiction, all all of this is due to the Democrats and the fact that there are no fathers in the home is the Democrat welfare system. 
you don't have a father in a home and you're raised by a single uh, female, um, you are, even Obama has occasionally pointed this out, five to six times more likely to be poor than if you're from a two-parent home. And I will say this, and I will say this, if Obama's pointing that out, he's saying, and thank you very much, because that means you're going to vote for me because I'm going to be your daddy. (laughs) Yeah. David, thanks for coming on. Please tell people how to, because we could go on all night, and I know you can't do that. So please, please tell people how they can reach you and how they can get the book and anything else you'd like to promote. The book is Final Battles, The Next Election Could Be the Last. And and it's been called the most devastating portrait of the Democrat Party that's yet been published. Uh, You can get it uh, in any Costco, Sam's Club, BJ's, Books a Million. You can get it at Amazon. You can get it um, at Barnes & Noble. And uh, you can get it off my website at frontpagemag or frontpagemagazine.com. David, I've really enjoyed this. I always enjoy talking to you. You have a wealth of knowledge. You know, I'm definitely bringing you back because there's always loose ends and there always be loose ends with you because there's not enough time. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I really thank you for giving me this much time. And I really appreciate it. And the listeners, I know they're going to love hearing this because we are facing the final battle. Our back's against the wall and we can't let them win. If we don't, we lose our freedom. Yeah, thank you. You're thank welcome. You. Once again, everybody, Mr. David Horowitz, telling it like it is. I want to thank David Horowitz for returning to issue another passionate plea for us to wake up and do what's needed to take back our nation while we still have time to do so. As I've said for some time now in closing, and will continue to say, we don't have much time, America. We've got to get this done right here, right now. This podcast is available for download at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcast. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. For first-time listeners, we encourage you to check out the podcast archive located on the page. All previous episodes are there featuring guests including Kevin Sorbo, Ben Carson, Trevor Loudon, Brigitte Gabriel, Monica Crowley, Carol Swain. Naomi Wolf, Morgan Brittany, Diamond and Silk, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, Alex Newman, Herschel Walker, and Mike Lindell. Well, that's it for now, folks. Thanks for joining us. So until the next time, this is your host, Gary Benford, saying God bless you, God bless your families, and God bless America.